Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. We thank you, precious Jesus. God is so good. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, summer has not necessarily begun, but, but summer vacation has kind of begun. And uh, I'm just so glad to see everybody here tonight uh, in the presence of the Lord. And uh, we're, we're going to look into the word of the Lord tonight. But before we do, I want to make a couple of announcements uh, one, I want to, we want to really emphasize June 9th, June 9th, that is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, the Sunday evening, that Sunday morning, we're going to be having, uh, of course, service here at Tree of Life. I'll be preaching that day. The Lord's given me a word for that day, uh, June 9th, and this Sunday, June 2nd, I'm excited about all that God is going to do, uh, but on June 9th, that Sunday morning, uh, we'll be having service here, but Sunday night, uh, we're going to be joining with the entire uh, Day of Pentecost Foundation. Uh, that service begins at 6 o'clock p.m., and uh, we're going to be having a great time in the Holy Ghost. It'll be held at Princeton Pike Church of God. Uh, it's a big it's a big auditorium. There's going to be plenty of room for seating. Uh, it's a big parking lot. going to be plenty of room for parking. And it's going to be very, uh, a very good uh, service. Bishop Sean Tyson from Indianapolis and Youngstown, Ohio is going to be preaching. You will be blessed by his ministry. Uh, we do want to provide uh, volunteers for uh, ushers, hostesses and hosts, and uh, even security personnel. Uh, and also the choir. It's going to be a mass choir. And there will be a practice uh, Thursday night, tomorrow night, uh, which is, of course, May 30th, at Greater Emmanuel Apostolic Temple. And then on June 3rd, Monday night, uh, also at Greater Emmanuel, there will be a mass choir practice. We encourage, uh, if you would like to be a part of those things, we encourage you to do so. Uh, this is going to be a one-night endeavor to experience Pentecost together and uh, we believe what God did 2,000 years ago, he'll do again in 2019. Amen. Glory to God. And we give God the praise for it. And there's something about when the people of the name come together and begin to worship the Lord together. There's just something beautiful about that. So we're looking forward to it. We're going to have a great time in Jesus Christ on June 9th, Sunday evening, 6 o'clock at Princeton Pike Church of God. We also want to uh, say that, uh, as many of you know, as, you, as you've seen it, uh, it, it uh, reported on in the news, devastating tornadoes that took place this past week in Dayton, Ohio. And our good friends, New Life Worship Center, Pastor Tom Friend, uh, their church was greatly affected by this. Uh, ripped their steeple back, uh, ripped off part of their wall and ceiling, uh, roof, and uh, collapsed their awning on top of the church van and one of the cars uh, uh, that belonged to one of the uh, members of their congregation. Uh, this was a very devastating tornado as we have seen the aftermath of it. And to think that it happened at night just not far north of here to our good friends, it is uh, just a, so such a sad thing. We are going to be participating. The Ohio District of the United Pentecostal Church has called a, a work day for this Saturday at uh, 8 a.m. Volunteers from around the state will be coming to New Life Worship Center. Uh, we want to make that available to you. I know it's a busy time of the year. I understand that. I know graduations and open houses and vacations and whatnot. But if you're available... And if you are, uh, are able to do it, uh, it would be encouraged. We're also going to be receiving donations. If you want to give to the, uh, give to the uh, we're, we're going to have a drive for providing uh, items that are needed in a time like this, disaster relief. Uh, thank God people's lives were spared, but they're left with nothing. They're left with absolutely nothing. Their, their, their homes have been ravaged. And uh, so we're going to be providing non-perishable uh, goods, uh, water and food, and even toiletry items. Uh, we'll be providing a list of those things. If you want to give those items, 
uh, we will be providing further information on how to do that. If you would like to provide a cash donation for those items, we will be contributing to organizations that are gathering those items. So we're, we want to let you know to, to stand ready to receive that information because we want to help our neighbors in Dayton and, uh, and be a blessing to them. Uh, for more information uh, on the New Life Worship Center uh, workday at 8 a.m. on June 1st this Saturday, that information will be available to you at the Connect Point desk. But we thank God that he kept his hand of protection upon people. And uh, we are going to be in prayer and active in helping our, our good friends in Dayton. Amen. Amen. God is a good God. And he takes care of us. And we thank the Lord for that. Uh, we're looking into the word of the Lord from the book of Jude. We're going to conclude our lesson series that we've been teaching on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're going to conclude tonight on the process of backsliding. Uh, this word, of course, is a word that stands out to us because it is not something that we want to be associated with in our own lives. What a tragedy for people who have known the goodness of the Lord, who have tasted of the heavenly gift of, of the Holy Ghost, then to somehow begin to turn away from the Lord and to turn away from God. Now, you might say, I would never, uh, but the fact of the matter is that all of us are in danger of sliding backward in our walk with God if we are not diligent in serving the Lord. And, uh, and it can happen because the things of this world can become so taxing and they can become so problematic for us. And we just want to take a little time in this series, and, and tonight we'll, we'll be concluding the series, but we want to take a little time to talk about knowing where we are spiritually and seeing uh, if there be anything in us that needs to be changed so that we don't fall into that trap. Uh, the psalmist David said it this way. He said, Lord, if there be any secret fault in me, cleanse thou me from secret faults. And, and we sometimes think that if we examine our lives and there is nothing glaring that is a problem or you might even have sin in your life that you have grown so accustomed to fostering that you no longer consider it to be a problem. No lightning has come out of heaven yet and struck you dead. No ground has opened up and swallowed you whole. And so you grow accustomed to it and you don't realize that you're playing games with the mercy of God. And so we don't want that. We want God to, to create in us a clean heart. We want God to renew in us a right spirit. We want God to purge us with hyssop that we can be clean and wash us that we can be whiter than snow and to, and to cleanse us from secret faults. Lord, cleanse me of the things that I don't even know exist in me. And there can be things exist in us that we don't even realize are there, but they're there, and God knows they are there. Uh, and, uh, and whether you consider it to be wrong or not, if it's wrong in the eyes of God, it's wrong. Uh, right now, abortion is a, a great debate in our society. There are certain states that are saying... Abortion, even, even after the baby's born, that, that this is an option. And then there are states that are passing bans on abortion uh, completely. And it's a real struggle within society right now. Uh, but I want you to understand, there's already a ban on abortion. There's already a ban on abortion. It's all, it already exists. And just because our laws make it legal does not make it okay because there's already a ban on it and, and, and you, might, you might not find the U.S. Supreme Court to, to identify it as illegal but there is a higher court than any court in this world and it's called the Day of Judgment. And so that's what you and I want to be ready for. We want to be ready for the Day of Judgment. We want to be right in the sight of God. And, and so whether that's a sin that is glaring or a sin that is hidden or a sin that others overlook, tolerate, act like it's not a sin, act like nothing's wrong with it, 
doesn't matter. We want to be right in the eyes of God. Because it doesn't matter who pats you on the back and tells you you're fine, you're okay, everything's good. It doesn't matter until he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be right with God. Amen. The old song says it this way. Above all else, I must be saved. Above all else, I must be saved. Uh, so the book of Jude describes uh, several uh, individuals and several uh, characters in the word of the Lord and several instances in the scriptures where there is sin and where there has been backslidden uh, conditions. And it comes to the 11th verse and it says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. And they have ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. And they have perished in the gainsaying of Korah. In this we see a process of backsliding. We see a process that unfolds. And it begins in, the, in going after the way of Cain. Now we've discussed this in our previous lessons. And we've described that when people go in the way of Cain, they are traveling down the road of offense. That's where backsli backsliding begins. Backsliding begins at being hurt. Now, it doesn't have to begin there because we'll all get hurt. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt in the church. I I'm not even going to say you might get hurt in the church. You're going to get hurt in the church. Jesus said that. He said offenses will come. Now, he also said, woe be unto those through whom they come. It's not okay. It's not okay that you're, that you're offensive to people and hurtful to people and wounding of people. But to those who are being hurt, be aware, offenses come. He said this in Luke 17. But he then began to describe, to have connection with one another and to communicate with each other and to let one another know how something has made you feel. Do this in the Holy Ghost and be mature in the Spirit and understand that when somebody comes to you and they have expressed that they've been hurt or they feel wounded, receive that and then begin to administer healing to that person and begin to talk with them. And, and uh, you don't have to get defensive. And if somebody hurts you, you don't have to go tell everybody else about the hurt. Don't, you know, don't pick this up and call folks or post it online. or uh, Don't make a social media post about how hurt you feel. Go to God and go to the person. And, and we, when we have the Holy Ghost, we have the Comforter. And the Comforter in me is communicating with that same comforter that is in you. That's, that's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ. We can work stuff out that the world can't work out. Don't look to the world for how you resolve a conflict. You look at the world and the world is in constant conflict. It is, there is to be a stark contrast between the way the world resolves it and the way the church resolves it. And, and God forbid that it would ever be said that the church resolves it more healthily than the church. God forbid. Because the church has the advantage of having the Holy Ghost. The church has the advantage of having the blood of Jesus Christ. The church has the advantage of, of, of being able to repent from sin and knowing who our help is and who our refuge is. And, and you don't always have to go to the person who, who hurt you. Go to God in prayer. And, and nine times out of ten, that's where it's resolved. I've told you this before. I'll say it again. I learned a while back. My wife gave me some great advice. She said, when you, get, when you feel bad, Joel, take 24 hours and let it sit and pray about it and seek God about it before you react or respond. When, when, the, when the offense comes at you, don't fly off the handle. I'll show you. Don't do that. Let the offense, let the offense come and, and then 
Go to God in prayer and let the Lord work it out. Thank you so much. Let the Lord work it out in your spirit. And the Lord will give you peace. He will give you comfort. He will give you compassion. And so the hurt does not have to initiate the process of backsliding. You're going to get hurt in the church. You're also going to be healed in the church. And many times the same person that hurt you will heal you. We're human. Everybody in here is human. You might have the Holy Ghost, but you're a Holy Ghost-filled human. And so sometimes your flesh reacts and your flesh rises up. If you think it felt good to receive forgiveness, you just wait till you feel how good it is to give forgiveness. It's a beautiful thing. So it does not have to initiate the process of backsliding. Do not let it initiate the process of backsliding. I will not let this hurt destabilize my walk with God. I will not go after the way of Cain. Because once you go after the way of Cain, you you go after the way of Cain, and then you begin picking up speed, and you start running greedily after the reward or after the error of Balaam for reward. And, and in other words, you begin to get your eyes off the, off the prize when you go after the way of Cain. And as you're going down the way of Cain, you're not looking at the Lord. You're not looking unto the author and finisher of your faith. You're feeling hurt. You're feeling wounded. That's the direction you're going. Now you begin to run greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. You think that you can play with fire and not get burned. You start making exceptions for yourself and you feel justified to do so because you've been hurt. Balaam felt justified in in retrieving gain from those he was running after. He knew it was wrong. And yet he went. God told him not to go. And yet he went. This is the attitude of the person who has been hurt. And let the hurt fester into an initiation of backsliding. They begin to do things they know are wrong. And they don't care that they're wrong. They feel justified in doing them because of the wound they have from somebody. Okay? Now... This is what I want to say to you. You have to choose. Are you justified to feel offended or are you justified by the blood of Jesus? You can't be both. You can't be justified in your offense and be justified by God. You have to choose. Now, if you're justified by God, God will wash away every sin stain. God will preserve you blameless. God will make you innocent. God will prepare your heart for judgment. God will will, will rescue you with his great love and mercy. That's what the justification of God does. But if you choose to be justified to feel a certain way, then you are shunning the justification of his blood. And you are running greedily after the error for reward. This is where backsliding begins to happen. People begin going down the way of Cain. I'm hurt. I'm offended. I've been wounded. Now, I kind of, I know it's wrong. I can read. I can read. I see it in the Bible. It's wrong. Going down this particular path, you start making exceptions for the lusts of your flesh. You start beginning to make exceptions for the lusts of your eyes. You begin to make exception for the pride of life. You start making exception for the love of money. You begin to allow envy to to, to root itself in you, bitterness to root itself in you. And, And you know it's wrong, but you kind of do it anyway because you've been hurt. What's happening? You're backsliding. You are backsliding. You are walking away from the Lord. Now, living for God does not mean that you will never make a mistake. There are plenty of people who live for God who struggle with a thing. Struggle on. Don't, Don't think you've been defeated because you're struggling. Fight. Put it in the hands of God. Pray through. Plead the blood. Hallelujah. Fight on and and make it through in Jesus' name. Don't don't think that because you have a particular struggle with anything, whatever it may be, that you do not qualify to be able to say that you serve the Lord. 
but you must bring it to God in prayer. You can't stop fighting. You can't stop struggling against it. And if you will fight on and let God give you the victory, that's exactly what he'll do. He'll give you the victory. Amen. So struggles are to be expected in the church. And yet, this is not to be a, there's not to be a culture of weakness. There is to be a culture of strength. So when one is weak, the other is strong. That's why it's good to come to church. Come on into the house of God. Well, you say, I'm struggling, and I'm probably the only one struggling. Seriously? You think you're the only one here struggling? Come on into the house of God, and you'll be strengthened by the support of those who are on the same path you're on, running their race with patience that is set before them. And you'll leave this house realizing, hey, I'm not alone. I'm going to make it through this. I'm, 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 there are other people who are praying with me, praying for me. And they're praying in their own lives. They've got similar situations. Or maybe they've experienced something similar in the past. Keep on keeping on. Amen. So if you go down the way of Cain, it, run, it, it, it leads to running after the, after the error for reward, and then ultimately, and this is where we read Jude 11, they perished in the gainsaying of Korah. They perished in the gainsaying of Korah. You need to know where this ends up. This sin you're involved in, where it ends up. It ends up in death. This temptation that you have given superiority in your life and in your mind, where does it end up? Death. We must understand that. You cannot think for one moment that you can play games with sin and death and not die. Death comes by sin. That's where it comes from. How did death enter the world? Sin. Death has no place here. It was made Welcome by sin. John chapter 10 and verse number 10. The scripture says this. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. You must understand that the only reason the thief comes is to steal and to kill and to destroy. So if you think that you are going to somehow entertain a conversation with the thief and come out with something positive, you are fooling yourself. He has three motives. Steal, kill, destroy. That's it. No gleaning the good. There's no taking it with a grain of salt. It is deadly poison. It is spiritual toxicity. And you must remember that the next time that you are downloading something that the thief has produced. Remember that the next time that you are listening to something that the thief has directed. Remember that the next time you are watching something that the thief has composed. He has the motive of stealing, killing, and ultimately destroying. You've got to know when you go down the way of Cain. There's only one way this ends up. You perish in the gainsaying of Korah. You've got to know this when you're running down a road where, I know this isn't right, but I'm going to do it anyway. Why? Because I look around me, and I see other people doing it, and they seem to be having fun, or better yet, they just, they just simply are getting by with it, and it doesn't seem to have affected their life very much. As the Scripture would say, thou fool. This night, your life has been required of you, Jesus said, concerning the man who looked at what he had established in life and accumulated in life and thought, I will take my ease. And I, will, and I will be at rest. And the Lord said, you, you, have, you have gravely mistaken what this is all about. The thief only comes for one reason. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. And it ends up in the gainsaying of Korah. James chapter uh, 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man 
that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. There are some people, and I've heard them, I've heard them do it, who will enter into a lustful, even a lustful relationship and believe that somehow it was God's will. And, and, and God does not operate that way. He's not tempted with evil. And he doesn't tempt any man with evil. Man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's backsliding. It is your lust that draws you away. And it can be a lust for uh, anything. It can be a lust for power. It can be a lust for money. It can be a lust for an appropriate relationship. It can be a lust for some kind of a fleshly satisfaction. And, and that's where temptation comes from. So, so there can be tempting things that exist in our world and you don't have to pay them any bit of attention. But your lust, if that's what you're feeding, will draw you away and entice you. Notice what the scripture says. When lust hath conceived... It bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Lust does not stand alone. It does not live by itself. Lust must be conceived. Lust involves two parties. Conception occurs in the interaction of two parties. So when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. So lust by itself... And, 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 and trying the enemy trying to somehow generate lust inside of you, the enemy can't do that on his own. He has to have your cooperation. So, for instance, when, when there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil that existed in the Garden of Eden, that was a fact. It was there. God said, don't eat of it. Because in the hour you eat of it, you shall surely die. That, that existed. That was there. Eve is having an interaction with the serpent. The serpent says, Hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? In that moment, he was trying to generate, he was trying to generate lust within Eve for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let me tell you something. She didn't have to talk to the serpent. He said, Hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? At that point, Eve, you run. At that point, Eve, you say, you walk away. You don't have to answer every question that the devil puts in your mind. He'll try to put something in your mind and you will feel like you have to come up with some answer. The answer is tainted because the truth is not in him. He's not looking for the truth. There's no truthful answer you can provide that will satisfy him. He will only hear your response and try to attack you from another angle. This happened, this happened in the temptation of Jesus. Jesus didn't, even, Jesus didn't even try to give him some kind of a, of a human reaction. He simply quoted scriptures. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength. Him only shalt thou serve. And, and, and the enemy, with every time that Jesus would respond, the enemy would reposition and try to ask a different question from a different angle to try to lead even Jesus astray. And Eve isn't Jesus. And neither are you. And neither am I. You must understand your conversations are with the Lord. Notice what the scripture says. The scripture said that in the same book of Jude, that when the devil brought a railing 
accusation, he disputed rather, with Michael the archangel over the body of Moses. The Bible says that when the dispute was occurring, Michael durst not bring a railing accusation against the devil. But instead, he said, the Lord rebuke you. He did not, he would not bring a railing accusation. And I'm thinking, man, really? Because if I got the devil and we're in a conversation, I've been wanting to say some things to him for a while. You're nothing but a low down, good for nothing, dirty, rotten, and then I could go on. But, But that's not what Michael did, and that's not what you need to do. You just need to say, the Lord rebuke you. I don't care what you have to say about the body of Moses. The Lord rebuke you. Coming to me, asking me all kinds of questions about why this and why that. And where's the body of Moses? Nobody ever did find the body of Moses. You sure it's really there? You sure Moses really existed? The Lord rebuke you. I don't have to answer your questions. You're simply trying to get me to go in the way of Cain. And to run greedily after the reward of Balaam. And to perish in the gainsaying of Korah. I will not consume my mind with questions the devil puts there. Now, if the Lord puts a question in my mind, Moses, what is that in thine hand? I don't, I, listen, I don't even have to make that up. One of my favorite stories, I heard Brother Mooney preach it, and I loved the way he brought it out. He talked about when God looked at Jeremiah, and he had a, he had a, 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 a stick, he had a, a rod in front of him. And he looked at Jeremiah, and he said, what dost thou see? And and you know, the Lord, well, what a question. Lord, I, what are you going to answer to that? Oh, I see. Lord, I see a staff. A staff similar to that of Moses. I see a, a rod similar to that of Jacob that he leaned upon. That's not what he said. Jeremiah said, a stick. That's what I see. I see a, a stick. And the Lord said, yep, that's exactly what it is. You answered correctly. It's a stick. See, when God asks you a question, he's going to enlighten you. You don't have to enlighten God. God's going to enlighten you. So when God asks a question, Jacob, he asked Jacob, what is your name? My name is Jacob. He asked the woman at the well in Samaria, where is your husband? It's a pretty big question for her. Lord, I have none. See, when God asks you a question, here's what you can always know. It's not a trick question. He wants you to be honest so he can change your life. That's, those are the questions of God. The devil's questions, he doesn't want the truth. He doesn't want to enlighten you. He doesn't want to help you. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your faith. He wants to destroy your life. That's all he wants to do. So don't interact with him. When the devil brings a question to you, why this? Why that? What about this? What about that? The Lord rebuke you. I will not go down that road with you. Eve went down that road. It did not end well. Lust was conceived. Sin was finished. And when sin is finished, death. And that's exactly what happened. The lust was conceived when she began to entertain the words of the serpent. And the sin was brought forth when she ate the fruit and gave to Adam her husband with her. And he did eat. And that was the pronouncement upon their life and ours. It goes on, the scripture does, teaching us this principle. Ananias and Sapphira. Look with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 5. Let's let's look at Acts chapter 5. We're going to look at some things that happen here. The, The church is in revival. And the apostles have called for everyone to bring their goods to the feet of the apostles. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. A certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it, they brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And they were, they were pretending they had brought it all and were saying, this is everything. And as they laid it down at the apostles' feet, said, it's everything. And it wasn't everything. The Bible says, Peter said, Ananias, listen to this. Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? 
and to keep back part of the price of the land. While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou, listen, conceived this thing in thine own heart? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine own heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. Now, I want you to notice what Peter said. First, he said, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Satan tries to fill your heart with certain things. And, and you determine how effective that's going to be. He'll fill your heart with animosity toward your brother and sister. He'll fill your heart with preconceived notions about people. He'll fill your heart with distrust. He'll fill your heart with envy about the blessings of the Lord in people's lives. He'll fill your heart with lust for other people's property, for other people's possessions, for other people's relationships. He'll fill your heart with, with all sorts of ungodly things and and, and I'm telling you, there's only one way that ends up. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, the Bible teaches us that the pleasures of sin, they last for a season. But they only last for a season. When they are finished, death. Death. Death of joy, death of love, death of trust, death of peace, death of soul, death. The scripture says, abstain from fleshly lusts. Oh, that sounds like some, some old-fashioned preaching. That sounds like something that doesn't belong in 2019. Do you know why Peter said abstain from fleshly lusts? Hear what he said. They war against the soul. You know that thing in you that lives forever? Fleshly lusts war against the soul. So abstain from fleshly lusts. So Satan fills Ananias' heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. At that point, Ananias is in a struggle. Satan is filling his heart. Lie to the Holy Ghost. You're only lying to men. You're only lying to Peter and to the rest of the apostles. Peter confirmed that's not all he was lying to. He was lying to God, thinking he was lying to men. But God, the enemy, is filling Ananias' heart with the prospect of lying to the Holy Ghost. At that point, Ananias has a choice to make. Just because a thought flashes through your mind doesn't mean you act on it. Just because a thought flashes through your mind doesn't mean that you entertain that thought. If you got to rebuke that thought a hundred times a minute, rebuke that thought a hundred times a minute. Take authority over it in the name of Jesus Christ. You say, I've tried. I can't get it out of my mind. Keep doing it, and you will. You will. Keep doing it. I don't care if, if, you, if you cast it out and it comes right back, right back in. You cast it out and it comes right back in. We had a we had a, a, not a stray dog, it was a, a, a dog that, that came up to our house and was trying to get into the house. And he was, a, he was the friendliest dog. And uh, I, I had something in my arms and I had petted him and whatnot. And, and he's trying to get in the house and I'm, the neighbor was trying to come get him. And, and uh, he wasn't listening to, to her. And so he's about to, he's about to, Come on in. I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen after that, so I was trying to, I was trying to kind of, kind of ease him on away, but he kept putting his nose in the door and putting his nose in the door. And that's the way thoughts are sometimes. You'll get a thought in your mind, and, and you can't get it out, and you rebuke it, and, and, and you get it away for a little bit, and then it just kind of noses its way back in. You rebuke it again, it noses its way back in. You've got to keep rebuking it. You've got to keep pleading the blood. You've got to keep calling on the power of God. You've got to keep trusting that God will give you victory over that thought so it does not become a word and become an action. Ananias, the Bible said, Satan filled his heart, and later the scripture says, Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine own heart? See, it goes from 
Satan trying to fill your heart with something. And then it turns into you entertaining it. And then you conceive it. And once lust hath conceived, it will bring forth sin. And sin, when it's finished. Some of you are living in sin because it's not finished with you yet. And you're not scared of it. Because you haven't seen its fangs yet. Oh, they're coming. You're not scared of it because you haven't seen, you haven't heard its guttural, hellish growl. But you will. And by then it might be too late. And you might be in a position of perishing in the gainsaying of Korah. When Korah came against Moses, as soon as those thoughts started coming into his mind of and this was, this was the, what they would say when people would rise up against Moses. They would say things like, Hath God only spoken by Moses? Cannot God also speak by me? Moses was not opposed to people being used of God to speak through them. When it was a genuine word from God, he was open to it. We know this from the account in the scriptures where the... Seventy elders had the spirit of prophecy come on them, and they were all prophesying. All, they were all prophesying. It was like an like early church kind of deal almost. The, 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 the spirit of God came on them, and they all began to prophesy. And there were two guys named Eldad and Medad who were not among that group. And the spirit of God kind of moved out over them too, and they start prophesying. And some very helpful uh, saint in the congregation of Israel saw them over there prophesying and thought, I know me, dad, and El dad, me, dad, and El dad don't have any business prophesying. So they run to Moses and say, Moses, did you know me, dad, and El dad are prophesying? And you need to go do something about it. Go shut it down. Tell them not to prophesy. If Moses were insecure about his authority, if he were insecure about his leadership post, if he just simply didn't want other people being used of God, he would have gone and shut it down. But he was not insecure. He didn't have a problem with God speaking through people. But it had to be the Lord who was doing the talking. And so, he, this is what he said. I love it. He said, you seriously want me to go shut that down? They said, yeah. He said, I'm not shutting it down. I would that you all prophesy. So it wasn't a matter of Moses just simply not wanting Korah to not be used of God. Korah had a bad spirit that was motivating his thoughts. The thoughts were, who does Moses think he is? His thoughts were, how dare he suggest that he is the voice of God for the people? Miriam and Aaron had the same type of accusation against Moses. And God struck Miriam with leprosy, put her out of the camp for seven days. God was serious about this business of anointing Moses. And Korah rose up against him. And so did a couple of others. And the Bible says that the Lord brought them out said, have them all bring censers, 250 people. Have them bring censers, put incense in the censers, and we're going to let God tell us who is the chosen of the Lord. And Moses said, as they let the incense burn, he said, if Korah dies the common death of a man, then it will be Noted that what he has been saying is of the Lord. But if he dies an uncommon death. Then it will be noted that what he was saying was not of the Lord. And then God said alright separate yourself from these men. And they all moved away from Korah and Abiram and Dothan. And, and as they began to move away from these men. The scripture says that the earth opened up swallowed them whole and everything that appertained unto them and shut on them. And they're gone. They're gone. The earth swallowed them up. When you go in the way of Cain and when you run greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and when you begin to engage in the gain saying of 
hath God said or hath God only spoken a lot of people when they get to this point they really start taking issue with the way the word of God has been presented to them and and so a lot of people begin to really uh, fight against the preaching of the word of God and the teaching of the word of God and and it's in that precarious place and that vulnerable position where actually the earth swallows up, opens up and swallows them whole. And they get swallowed up in this world that they believed in, this world that they invested in, this world that they thought had answers. And, and, and what ends up happening is the very world they looked to for their answers turns on them, opens up and swallows them whole. And it can happen to any one of us if we decide to turn away our hearts from the Lord. We must never turn our hearts away from the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We must never turn our hearts away from the Lord. Moses knew. Moses knew that, that, that he had no power of his own. There was nobody more acutely aware of Moses of that than Moses. Moses was was keenly aware of the fact that he did not deserve God to be so gracious and God to be so favorable unto him. And he would often come to God and say, Oh God, I, I don't know that I have what it takes. So for Korah to rise up against him, Moses thought it was absurd. He was like, Korah, listen, I get it, man. I get it. I, I understand, you, you, you know, you're not the only one who thinks, I don't have it all together. I'm with you. But for some reason, God put his anointing upon me, Moses said. And, and so, so Moses didn't even have to fight his battles. He just, he just simply trusted in the Lord. And just, just understand that, that when you begin to go in the way of offense and, and hurt and bitterness... It will always lead to making decisions you know are wrong, but you feel emboldened to make them because of that offense that has occurred in your life. And then ultimately, the devil has you on a fast track to death and total uh, degradation. And, and you will be swallowed up by the very world you expected to welcome you with open arms. It's called backsliding. But the scripture says, return. The scripture says, return unto me and I will heal your backslidings. He will heal you of your gainsaying. The, the gainsaying where you begin to speak big things like, like God doesn't matter and that his word doesn't matter. And, that, and, 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 and Korah never said it that way. He actually, he actually uh, pretended to, to really appreciate the words of God. And that's what happens a lot of times. People usually don't just backslide and say God doesn't exist. Normally they backslide and say God is in favor of the life I'm living. It's a scary place to be. But it begins with being offended. It is sustained by running greedily after error. And then it comes to a profound punctuated terrifying conclusion and it's something that every saint of God must say oh God let me be covered by your grace let your mercy fill my life oh thank you Jesus and, and there but for the grace of God go you and I and I don't want to be among those foolish virgins who had a lamp but no oil I don't want to be among those among that crowd that thought they knew him but he didn't know them I don't want to be among that crowd who never saw him in prison and never saw him hungry and never saw him thirsty or without shelter. I want to be pleasing in the sight of God. Oh, hallelujah. You know what the scripture says? Enoch was translated that he should not see death. God translated Enoch for this reason, that he should not see death. He did not want Enoch to go through the pain the suffering, the anguish of dying. And so he translated him that he should not see death. And the only thing we know about Enoch is that he walked with God and that he pleased God. His testimony 
was that he pleased God. I don't know what all he did in his life. I don't know what all he, what all he had that he could lay claim to as far as achievements and accomplishments, but I know this, he pleased God. You don't have to be a superstar. Just please God. Love mercy. Do justly. Walk humbly before thy God. Walk with him every day. When you walk with him every day, he'll order your steps and you'll do some of the most powerful works that you could ever imagine because you are pleasing unto the Lord. And I want you to understand something. One day, one day, one glorious day, He'll translate you like he translated Enoch, and you won't experience the pains of death. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want the pleasures of sin. You can have the pleasures of sin. Not you, but those who choose to have it. Don't you have the pleasures of sin either. But I don't want the pleasures of sin. They last for a season. I want his presence, for in his presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I wonder if we could stand to our feet right now and just look to the Lord and say, God, help me to walk in the right paths. Help me to walk in the plain paths of righteousness of righteousness, of righteousness. Oh God, in your name, in your name, in your name, in your name. You know, I want you to know, don't take anything for granted. Don't take anything for granted. You might have the Holy Ghost. You might be baptized in the precious name of Jesus. You might have a testimony. But the Bible gives us example after example of those who departed from the faith. Because they loved this present world. Because Satan, in Judas' case, had entered them. In Ananias' case, Satan filled his heart and Ananias conceived the thing in his own heart. What is the enemy trying to enter into your life right now as you sit here tonight? What is it that he's trying to enter into your life? Be it temptation? Or be it some kind of a feeling against someone else. Maybe it's an unclean desire. Perhaps it is even the fear. The fear of the future or the regret about your past. But somewhere, something the enemy tries to put into your life. You know what? In Jesus' name, Lord, don't let your people fall prey to the enemy's tactics. In Jesus' name, when you gather into this place, I pray that the Holy Ghost will minister to you, that the Word of God will speak to you, and that you can walk out of here strengthened, that you can walk out of here with a fresh faith, that you can walk out of here knowing I have been with the Lord, and I feel stronger, I feel renewed, hallelujah. I feel renewed in my spirit. Hallelujah. The Lord wants to stir up the gift that is in you. Could you lift your hands all across this house and let the Lord stir up the gift that is inside of you again in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, that's it. Lift a praise unto the Lord right now. Lift a praise unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Holy like you, Lord. Holy like you, Lord. Purify me, cleanse and make me new. Wanna be holy, holy like you. Oh, I wanna be holy.